Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. If you've made it to episode three with me, thank you. If you're new here, welcome to Breaking Down and Building Up, a four-part podcast series about non-marital breakups. I am so excited about today's topic, which is reinvesting energy and finding a new purpose post-breakup. We're going to start today with a little background info, but also some steps that are really going to help you and I thrive and what I've found to help me really thrive post-breakup. Then we're going to hear from my friend Taylor, who's been through a breakup and is going to give us some of her experiences. And like always, we're going to end with some biblical truth. So sit tight because you know we're about to get this breakup party started. All right, guys, like I said, I am so excited to talk about reinvesting your energy and finding a new purpose for yourself post breakup. If I've learned anything from being single, it is that we have so much freedom to really invest energy into ourselves and figure out what our guy-given purposes are. But before we get into all these new details, we need to kind of go back to the first episode I did where we talked about identity. In that podcast, I touched on how sometimes we can find our identities in the person that we're dating, or we can tend to start to become more and more like the person we're with. And sometimes that's not who we always want to be, but that's who we become. But when a relationship ends, we get to ask ourselves the freeing question, who am I and who do I want to become? And when I got to ask myself those questions, that was the most freedom I had felt in a really, really long time. So in this portion of the episode, we are going to go through five steps combined with my experiences and a book called Who Am I Without You that are really, really, really going to allow us to find ways to reinvest energy in ourselves to become who we want to be. But in order to do that, and in order to get to the very end and become who we want to be and believe in the person we want to be, we have to start with feeling the emotions. And if any of my friends are listening right now, I'm sure they're thinking, oh, Leah, you're one to talk. You don't always do that, which is true. I am someone who really, really, really tries to be happy in every situation. I put a smile on my face. I come in big, bold. But sometimes there are underlying emotions that I haven't worked through And sometimes that is just because I have a fear of expressing them, a fear of crying in front of people, a fear of feeling like a burden to people. But my friends were so great, so shout out to them, with saying, Leah, don't hide those emotions, share those emotions. And that's what you need to do. You need to feel the emotions and you need to share the emotions with those who you can trust. In this book I'm talking about, Who I Am Without You, they say that feel stands for freely experience emotions with love. And that is so important, especially that last part, love. We have to give ourselves grace when we are experiencing things and when we're experiencing emotions because emotions happen to everyone and emotions do not define who we are. So we can allow those emotions to come. We can allow ourselves to feel those emotions, but that is not who we are. And we have to feel the emotions to begin with because if we don't feel them now, they're not going to go away. They're going to come up later on when we think we are farther from this. So it is so, so important. If you want to reinvest your energy into yourself, you have to start by feeling all the emotions that come. And after you do that, you have to stop the broken record in our head. And that stop the broken record comes exactly from the book, Who, I, Who Am I Without You? The broken record I'm talking about are those thoughts that replay over and over in our minds that just are not true. Those thoughts can be, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I'll never find anyone else. 
I can only be happy with that person. And none of those statements are true. You are enough, you will be happy, and you don't need anyone besides the Savior to make you happy. A way to help you navigate these thoughts is a tip that comes from this book that I'm talking about, but I've also been told by um, one of my counselors, and that is writing down these thoughts. You write down the date, you write down the situation, you write down the thought, and you write down the emotion. By doing this, you can pull out themes and triggering situations that have caused you to feel this way. And when you do that, you can start noticing what it is that it's going to take out of you to change them. Maybe it's not putting yourself in that situation, or maybe it's the time of day when you're thinking about them. So filling that time so that those thoughts of negativity do not fill your mind. And once you're able to start getting the negative thoughts out of your mind, then you can move into step three, which is answering the question of who do you want to be and what do you want to be known for? This question, and when I sat down and I wrote out the answer to this question, it was one of the most monumental moments in my breakup period because I was able to say, this is who I want to be. And it gives so much joy to think about who I'm going to be and who I'm going to become. And it's important to note that who you want to be isn't who you are now, but who you are working forward to be. And so I knew when I was planning this podcast that I was going to talk about this. So I pulled out my journal and I'm going to share with you what I wrote down. I asked myself the question, who do I want to be? And I said, I want to be a daughter. I want to be someone who lives with a show up mindset. I want to be someone who finds all the things they love before all the things they don't. I want to be someone who fights negative thoughts. I want to be someone who extends compassion to all, including myself. I want to be someone whose first response is grace. I want to be someone who uses the blood of the lamb and the words of my testimony to triumph over Satan. I want to be a finder of good. I want to be someone who rests in imperfections, knowing Christ's work is not complete. I want to be someone who sets or sees humans first. I want to be a risk taker. I want to brave disappointment. I want to be someone who wears the scars of suffering, but wants to share the survival song with those around me. And some of those who I wanted to be came from a book um, by Lisa Takehurst called It's Not Supposed to Be That Way. Some of those came from songs. Some of those came from, came from when I sat down and I thought about who I aspired to be. I would think about people and some of the traits and attributes that I loved about them that I wanted to see in myself. And that is a great place to be because when I closed my journal that night, I felt so overjoyed by the potential of who I could become without anyone trying to stop me. And that is such a freeing feeling. And after you write that down, you have to move to step four where you face some of your fears and then you just go out and freaking live your life. You know, this book I'm, I've been talking about called Who Am I Without You talks about how fear prevents good, even though sometimes we think fear prevents bad things from happening. But really, fear causes us to lose the focus on the good ahead. We fear things like being alone, kind of those negative thoughts I was talking about, like fear of not being good enough, fear of not finding anyone else. But guess what? When we can expose those fears and then co- and then put the truth next to it, we can move forward and conquer them. We can say, okay, I'm fearful of being alone, but guess what? I'm not alone because I have Christ. I'm fearful of not being good enough, but guess what? I don't have to fear that because Christ tells me I'm enough. And on top of that, we can say, I'm fearful of being alone, but I don't need to fear being alone because I don't need anyone else besides the Savior. And when we face those fears and when we boldly pursue our life and we live our life, without fear, we can fully start to become who the Lord is calling us to be. And once again, that is so freeing.
But in order for steps one, two, three, four, and five, or one, two, three, and four to happen, you have to really, really cling to the step number five. And that is continuing to believe in yourself. That is on your good days and your bad days saying, no, this day does not define who I am. I can still be a daughter. I can still be someone who lives with a show up attitude. I can still be someone who fights negative thoughts. You repeat these statements in your head over and over again. And in this book, Who I Am Without You, who or Who Am I Without You, she encourages us to find two to three statements that you always go back to. And for me, those statements have been, I am worthy of love, I am capable, and I don't need a man to make me happy. And when you can go through and when you can repeat these statements to yourself, then and then alone can you start to really reinvest energy in yourself and find new purpose. And you know, for me, this this pursuit of finding a new purpose has been so freeing and so encouraging and so fun. You know, there are some days where I wake up and I say, do you know what? I can make whatever decision I want. Do you know what? I can really pray about what the Lord has planned for me. What purposes he has. Some days I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer and that's the purpose for my life. And do you know what? Then I pray about it because I know that I'm still in this pursuit of finding a new purpose. You can find new and um, redefine some of your hobbies. For me, that's looked like finding new ways of working out, reading again, cooking, baking. Those are just new and refined hobbies that I've been able to do and I've been able to invest energy in. When I was at school and not quarantined, that to me looked like more coffee dates, more FaceTiming with people, more one-on-one time because I had the freedom to reinvest into other people as well. So I'm really, really encouraging you guys to go through these five steps of feeling the emotions, stopping the broken record, answering the question of who you want to be, facing your fears and believing in yourself in order that you are able to reinvest energy and find a new purpose in the season of singleness. All right, so like I said, today we have with us my friend Taylor, and she is just going to tell us a little bit about her relationship before we start asking some questions. Hey guys, so I dated the same guy for seven years in high school. We started dating in seventh grade and dated basically all the way through. We broke up for like a couple months here and there during that time, Um, but when I got to college, I kind of started to realize that I just didn't think I wanted to marry him. And so that was a really hard realization, um, which I'll talk about that more later. But yeah, so I broke up with him about a semester into college, and here we are now. Perfect. Thank you so much, Taylor, and thank you for joining us today. We are going to hop into our first question, which is, did your ex contribute to your identity? If so, in what ways? Yeah, so I didn't really realize it at the time when I was in the relationship, Um, But my ex definitely contributed to my identity a lot. Um, So as I said, we dated for seven years, which is a really, really long time, especially when you start that young. Um, And we grew up in a small town. So basically everyone knew that we were a couple. And so people would constantly be asking us when we were getting married, um, things about our future and things like that. And so it wasn't really up until right before I broke up with him that I realized just how much my identity was tied into that relationship. Um, I started thinking of what my life would be like without dating him and I was terrified not really because of thinking about him not being in my life but more the fact that I didn't know what it would be like to not be with him um and so I was just really worried about that not really sure what that would look like um and yeah I always had thought that the Lord just has created me to be a wife and a mom and so I think I would think of that with him like that was just part of my identity 
um, and thinking about that future with him. And so thinking about not being with him, I realized like I didn't really know who I was. Hmm. Yeah. And that is actually something we talk about when in this podcast, just about um, our identity and how that identity is sometimes like can be found in our ex. And that is a really hard thing to kind of go through. Um, the next question is, were there parts of your identity that you felt were lacking after the breakup? Yeah. Um, as I said, I think a really big one for me was just the fact that I was so used to being a girlfriend and like the things that come up, um, along with that, like just used to caring for someone and constantly like encouraging someone and texting someone and calling someone and just like just what that looks like. I hadn't even really realized how much of like a rhythm of my life that was. So it wasn't really the fact that I was single that was so difficult for me. It was more the fact that I had placed so much of my identity in how I cared for him and like my value was in that. And so when I didn't have him to care for and to talk to, I just really did not know what to do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. And that is something that a lot of the research is like pointing to and suggesting. So The third question is, what parts of you did you want to leave in that relationship? Hmm. Yeah, I think as I look back on that, I think the main things would just be, like, the amount of insecurity that I felt. And I think especially comparing, like, I'm in a different relationship now, uh, one that's way healthier. And I think looking at that and just, like, the the contrast and, like, the confidence levels that I had, I think um, I was super insecure and like overly dependent, not really in a healthy way, but just like all of my decisions, it felt like were based off of like what he wanted me to do or like picking a college that was like close by to where he was or like making sure that I could still be like close to him um, or feeling like I'm not pretty enough or like I'm not skinny enough. And like looking back on that, like that was such a part of my identity was that insecurity um, that was so unhealthy. And so it took a really long time to get used to probably like six months or so I would say um, to really feel comfortable with my singleness. Um, but once I got used to actually doing things for myself, I realized that that was just so amazing. Hmm. That's really, yeah, that's really, really cool to hear. And one of the things that we talked about earlier in this, um, podcast was just the, the concept of believing in yourself. So I like the way that you were kind of like addressing those things. Um, so the next question I have for you is what helped you feel better after your breakup? Yeah, I think that for a while it was just super hard. I I felt really confident in it at first, and then I started questioning it, which I think is what the enemy does for sure, um, just making you question that and think, like, like I had been so sure, but then starting to wonder, like, did I make a mistake? Like, oh, like, he really isn't such a bad guy. Like, maybe I was just being, like, over the top or, like, dramatic. Um, but I think a lot of that was just covering up um, – yeah, kind of the insecurities that I had or just like wanting to go back to it because it was more comfortable um, and easier. Mm. And I think a big reason for that was that he had a really hard home life um, and family life. And so I had been for seven years helping kind of carry the burdens that he was carrying um, because he came from a family that was not um, believers. And so I had been carrying those burdens for him for so long. Um, And I remember one of my friends, second semester of college, um, she was probably super tired of hearing about me being sad about this guy that she knew was just not worth it. Um, and she told me like, you are not his Jesus. Hmm. And I remember just thinking like, whoa, like at first it kind of like hurt. And I was almost like taken aback. Like, are you really going to say that to me? Like, you don't know what this feels like. And then I realized like, oh wait, you do like, 
you broke up with your boyfriend a few months ago. Um, and I realized that it really wasn't my responsibility to hold all of his crap anymore. Like I could pray for him because I care about him as a person, but I really had to learn to trust in the Lord and to look out after him. And the Mm -hmm. reality is just how crazy it was that I thought that I could look out for him because the Lord is who should be doing that all along, whether I'm dating him or not. Hmm. Well, yeah, that is, (laughs) that is really powerful. Um, especially for someone like myself going through a breakup and anyone listening who's going through a breakup. So I appreciate that. Um, the next question is, what did you do to reinvest your energy and time after the breakup? Yeah, I think that, like I said, it took me a while. So I think at first I was kind of sulking or just like, just so sad or just upset about it. Um, but I think over time I started realizing like, whoa, this time really is a gift. Like people always say that, like they say singleness is a gift and it's really easy to say when like you're dating someone again, it's like, oh, like enjoy it. It's a gift. Uh, But I think when I started to actually believe that for myself, I realized that I did have so much extra time and energy um, that I was not used to having. Um, So one place that I put a lot of time was in my friendships. Um, Mm. I'm very introverted. So I think when I was dating someone seriously that went to a different school, um, I spent a lot of time like going to visit him and things like that. And that was pretty exhausting, which I didn't even really realize. Um, And so I had a lot of time to spend with my friends at school, which at the time um, college was new to me. So that was incredible. Um, and looking back, I think a lot of my friendships wouldn't be nearly as strong as if I hadn't have had that season with them. Um, I also had so much time to read my Bible, um, and pray and read books that just challenged me to know Jesus more. Um, and so I'm trying to think of what the book was. I may not be able to remember off the top of my head, but there was a certain book I remember reading and it just being so powerful and just realizing like, yeah, singleness is a time that should not be taken for granted. Um, and I may never have this time again. And so just realizing like, how am I going to use this time well, um, and develop really into like, I've always said, like, I know the Lord designed me to be like a mom and a wife, but like, I think I thought that, but I wasn't really like preparing myself for that. So I think I used that time to really be like, how can the Lord like mold me into the person that I want to be for my future husband? Um, and so really using that. Hmm. Yeah. And that was something that we, that I also talked about was just like asking ourselves the question of who do you want to be and what do you want to be known for? So I really, I like the way you said that. Um, what parts of your identity are new since that breakup? Hmm. Um, I think just overall, like I would say like just way more joy filled and confident. Um, and just my identity is way more rooted in Jesus. I think that's something that we're learning for the rest of our lives, I think, as believers, I think there are seasons that our identity is fully in the Lord. I think there are times that maybe we're wavering more or um, struggling to kind of really invest all the time necessary into that relationship. Um, but I think overall, compared to where I was in that relationship, I think I know the Lord way more deeply. Um, and then on a less deep level, I think just um, having time to reinvest my energy elsewhere, just kind of made me realize that my identity doesn't have to lie in one place. Like obviously it's in the Lord first, but I can have um, a lot of different parts of my identity. Um, I think as long as one's not overpowering the other, I think that's okay. So I became a lot more into CrossFit because I had time to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got to know new people for that. Um, I took a step of faith and became like the discipleship assistant on my wing. And I think when I would have been in that relationship, I never would have done that. Um, and I think I just became a better friend and sister and daughter, um, and all sorts of things like that. I think just realizing that 
I can be involved in a lot of things and, and know a lot of people, which is a really special thing that I think I never would have realized if I would have stayed in that relationship. Yeah, for sure. That is so true. Um, lastly, Taylor, this is the last question we have for you today is what would you tell someone going through singleness, um, to cling through, cling to specifically in like the Bible or with Jesus or anything spiritual? I think for me, and this is a verse that I think I cling to, I feel like it's my go-to verse for like a lot of Aries life because I think it's just is so like grounding and just a reminder of who we are. Um, but Psalm 139, I think I started really clinging to it in that season of the breakup because that was kind of when my anxiety ramped up again too. Um, and not just because of the breakup, some other things too, like a mission trip I went on and things like that. But um, specifically, it's kind of a long um, passage, but I'll read a few verses that really um, were comforting to me in that time. Um, so verses one through three say, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Um, and verse 13 and 14 also really stood out to me. Um, where it says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So I think like in that time when like a lot of my identity had been shaken um, and I felt really like the person that knew me the best, I had like willingly like let go and released. And I think I was having a lot of questions and doubt about that. Um, but I think this verse was just such a good reminder of the fact that the Lord does know us. Um, and even if we feel like everyone around us doesn't know us and they don't understand the situation we're in, um, that the Lord does. Um, and that in all the insecurity that I was feeling coming out of that, um, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and just really knowing that and resting in that, I think, was what got me through that time of just remembering, like, humans are constantly going to fail me um, because I'm a human and I'm constantly failing others. Um, but the Lord is consistent. And that is something that I think when you really let that sink in can change everything. Hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Thanks so much, Taylor. Um, we're going to now transition into section three um, and learn more about the truth. Wow. Well, I hope you guys are all just feeling as encouraged by what Taylor had to say as I am. I think about Psalm 139 and how Taylor said that grounded her while she was single, but yet it still grounds her today. And I want us to read through that together right now. So I'm going to start at verse one. And it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And you know, when we think about that scripture, and when we think about the Lord saying that he has searched us and that he knows us, and that he knows when we sit and when we rise, and he knows our thoughts, our going and our coming. 
And he's familiar with all these things. We have to be reminded that the Lord knows where we're at right now in this season of singleness. He knows the emotions we're feeling. He knows the thoughts that are on a record in our head. But he also knows that we're striving to reinvest our energy and that we're striving to get out of this place where we are in a rut, but instead that we are starting to thrive. And I hope in that thriving process, you're thinking a lot about what it means to thrive and live for Christ. Because if we're not living for Christ, then what are we living for? And so I think about that. And I think about how the Lord says that um, he gives us the desires of our heart and that where our treasure lies, so our heart will lie too. Our heart is the offspring of so much and our heart has to be aligned with the heart of the Lord if we want our life to thrive and to glorify Christ and you know when I think about that I think about how when we're reinvesting our energy we need to think Lord will you ensure that the way we are living right now and the things that we say are worth reinvesting our energy in are glorifying to you And that they are things that you want for us. And that is a prayerful process. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, is this what you want for us? Lord, is this who you want me to be? So, you know, I told you all about that list I made. And I hope and I would think that the Lord would want me to be someone who is compassionate and grace-filled and kind and loving. But I still have to pray through that and say, Lord, would you ensure that my heart is aligned with yours? And that I wouldn't be doing this for my own glory, but that I would be doing this for your glory and your glory alone. And I think one of the things we have to realize that in our pursuit of reinvesting our energy and finding a new purpose is that we can't do that without the Lord. Nothing we can do is without the guidance and the presence of the Lord. And so something that I've been praying over myself comes from 1 Corinthians 13. And it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And in that first part, that encompasses a lot of what I was praying over myself. Lord, Would you make me patient? Lord, would you make me kind? Lord, would you make sure that I am not envy? Lord, would you humble me? Because in all that, we need the Lord. We cannot do it on our own. Then it goes on to say that love does not dishonor others, that love is not self-seeking, that love is not easily angered, and that love keeps no records of wrong. And those are all things that I said, Lord, would you make me more like that? Lord, would you make sure that I am not self-seeking, that I am not dishonoring others, but instead that I am removing wrongs, that I'm forgiving like you have forgiven me. And that has been a prayer over my life. And that scripture continues and it says, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It says love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And I am praying that over myself. And I am saying, Lord, is that what you, is that who you will make me to be? Because that is who I want to be. And I think we have to realize that the only way that we can truly reinvest energy and find a new purpose is if we are asking the Lord to walk with us in this process. Because we can't do it without him. And we need him. You know, and then Matthew talks about how our light needs to shine for him and that when we do good deeds, that it needs to be all for the glory of the Lord. And it is my hope and it is my prayer that as you are pondering what it looks like for you to reinvest your energy and what it looks like for you to find a new purpose, that you're striving to be a light for Christ, that you're saying, you know what? my energy can now be fully placed in the Lord and in doing good deeds for him and for his name. And in order to do that, once again, we have to ask the Lord to come into that. So it is my prayer that after you're done listening to this podcast, or maybe even right now, just pause it and say, Lord, I want to reinvest my energy, but I want to reinvest it into ways that bring glory to your name. 
dear Jesus, and I pray that you would make that clear to me and that you would make it clear to everyone listening as well, that that would be placed in their hearts, that their desires would align with your heart, that their hearts would align with your desires, and that we would all be living in ways that bring glory and honor to your name. Well, guys, we have made it to the end of episode three, and I hope right now you're thinking of all the ways that you can ask the Lord to come into your life and to help you reinvest your energy and find a new God-given purpose in your life. That is my prayer for you, and I hope and I pray that you, in all of your searching, are finding ways that you can be a light for the Lord and finding all the ways that you can bring glory to his name. If you guys are interested, my next podcast is going to be all about hope and how love still exists in this world. So go ahead and tune in for that. See you soon.